0: You are listening to Rabbi Aria Woolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Parsha Review Podcast. All right, welcome back, my dear friends, to the weekly Parsha Review. This week's Parsha is Parshas, Parsha's Kosai. Those of you who are listening to this in 2023, it is a double portion, Behar and Bechukosai together. Bukh is the 10th portion in the book of Leviticus, the final portion in the book of Leviticus, and the 33rd portion since the beginning of the Torah. There are 78 verses, 1,013 words, and 3,992 letters. There are 12 mitzvahs, 7 performative, and 5 prohibitions. So the first thing the Parsha tells us this week is the blessings. The Parsha has a long list of blessings, prosperity, and wondrous successes awaiting the Jewish people if we live up to the covenant with Hashem and observe His Torah and mitzvahs. Rain will come when we need it to make the crops grow. Prosperity with plentiful crops and enough food for everyone. Peace. We will have peace in the land, tranquility and security in the land. No wild beasts or armies will pass through our land. We will have successful battles and victories over larger armies. It says that five will pursue a hundred, a hundred will pursue a thousand, and Hashem will turn his attention towards us, and we will be fruitful. However, we have then the rebuke, the tochacha, the admonishments. And we have an even longer list of chilling admonishments, terrible punishments, and curses if we abandon and fail to live up to the responsibilities and fulfill our covenant with Hashem. And they come in seven stages, each one more severe than the previous one. First, Hashem will bring in illness. He'll bring about illnesses to us. And then your efforts won't be fruitful. Your enemies will eat your labors. Enemies will beat you. Our haters will subjugate us and we will flee no pursuers. Famine and hunger will take over the land, and food won't satiate you. Imagine you eat and you're still hungry, and you eat more and you're still hungry. You eat more and you're still hungry. Food won't satiate you. It's similar to King David. We know King David wore clothes and they didn't keep him warm because he had violated the proper respect that was due to clothes in in cutting the clothes of Saul having a disrespect for clothes, the clothes didn't warm him up anymore until he repented. So the same type of ideas, like we think that clothes keep us warm naturally, that's what's going to happen. Well, Hashem makes certain laws, like you ever wonder how the animals don't wear winter coats? Well, Hashem makes it so that they don't need it. They're not cold. Same is with our food. If it was a time of curse from Hashem, the food wouldn't satiate us. Wild animals will be unleashed against our crops, our children, and our animals. We will be delivered to the hands of our enemies. Our land will be taken over by our enemies, and we will become wanderers among the nations. Hashem will destroy the of Hamikdash and exile the Jewish people. The Torah details the harsh historical process that will fall upon the Jewish people when divine protection is removed. We need divine protection. You think about it. We are a sliver of society, a microscopic number of people that are Jews. How do we survive? They can just crush us. We need divine protection. If that divine protection is taken away, we're left in the hands of our enemies who can slaughter us. These punishments whose purpose is to bring the Jewish people to repent, will be in seven stages and even more severe, each one more severe than the last. But even if Hashem is angry, the Torah tells us, Hashem is angry at us and must punish us, He will never forget or abandon us. That means we will still stick around. We will still be a people. And People thought after six million were taken by the Nazis. That's it. There's nothing left. Look at us today. Stronger than we've ever been. And thankfully, in a very, very vibrant world of Torah, there's an unbelievable and incredible abundance of Torah study, which is the protector of the Jewish people. The more we study Torah, the more we learn Torah, the more we come here on rainy days when it's... Most people are not going now, oh, I'm just going to go out for coffee because it's a rainy day. No. But to learn Torah, it's amazing to see a full room here of people because we're dedicated to the study of Torah. And this is what Hashem loves. So you can all give yourselves a pat on the back. So even if Hashem is angry, Hashem doesn't abandon us completely. The purpose of these punishments, again, is to bring the Jewish people to repent. That's the purpose. It is not, it is not for us to just get punished more and more. That's not the purpose. The gifts to the temple are then discussed right before the end of the portion. If someone vows to give a gift to the temple, they must give it. If you say, I promise I'm going to give an offering to the temple, you have to give it. If you promise you're going to give a certain amount of money, if you promise you're going to give, I'm going to give my child to the temple, that means you're giving the value of your child. You're not allowed to bring your child as offering. It's not the Molech. We learned about that last week. You're not allowed to do such a thing. You have to give the value, and that the, the Torah talks in this week's parsha, the Erechin, the value of a human commitment. So if one vows to donate the monetary value of a person, animal, or property to the temple, there is a process to evaluate its worth. How much is a human worth when we talk about giving them as an offering? There's a certain amount, and that money needs to go. Now, there's another thing which is very, very important to discuss, something called mi'ilah. Mi'ilah is, we, this was previous, last week, but I don't think we mentioned it enough to, in detail. You're not allowed to use something of hektish. Hektish is something which belongs to the sanctuary, to the temple. And By the way, this refers also to our synagogues. You're not allowed to use something that belongs to the synagogue for your own personal use. So if the synagogue has a ladder, you're not allowed to use it for your own personal use and just use it because I'm borrowing it from them. No, no, it belongs to the temple and the temple, things that belong to the temple needed to be preserved for the temple. You're not allowed to use it for your own personal use. So the idea here that things that are sanctified need to remain sanctified. And then the Torah commands us of giving tithes of our land and our earnings. The laws of tithing are commanded, and redeeming tithes are permitted. Meaning, if a person says, here, I'm giving a tithe of my property. So I'm giving a, uh, 10% of my property. The corner of my property is going to go to the temple. That's what was obligated. Here's the thing. How am I going to take all those fruits to the land of Israel? I'm going to take, sorry, not to the land of Israel, to Jerusalem. It's a lot of fruits to take. To la- I'm going to bring truckloads to to. To Jerusalem. So, what you can do is you can redeem it. You can say, "Listen, what's the value that I can that this is worth? It's worth, you know, ten thousand dollars. I'm going to exchange it. I'm going to sell that in the market. Take that ten thousand dollars and bring it to the temple, and that you're allowed to do." Okay. So, here's just by the way, if someone does use something of charity, like borrowing the Shul's ladder for your own personal use, that can only be done if you make a donation to the synagogue to replace that use. That value that was used of it. Okay. In general, you're not supposed to even, you're supposed to be careful about this. You're not even supposed to, Oh, I need a break of 20. So you go to the pushka and you take out two tens. No, no, you have to leave something for the pushka as well. It's this idea. So you, so you'll take 19 out. You leave one for the, for the congregation, for the, for the temple. Okay. Some important lessons from this week's parsha. What's the purpose of the entire Torah? What is the purpose of the entire Torah? Why does Hashem give us the Torah? You know, we have these blessings, we have these curses. Oh my goodness, gevalt, right? Oy vey, what are we going to do if, God forbid, we get these punishments? Why are there these punishments to begin with? So let's understand why there's a Torah. What does the Torah command us? The Torah commands us to build our relationship with God. That's the objective, the objective of every single mitzvah, bring Hashem into your life. Build your relationship with the Almighty. All the observance of Shabbos, of tefillin, of tzitzis, of kosher, bring God into your life. That's the goal. If we fail to do so, then there's a problem. If we do that and the the portion starts off with the blessing first, because God much prefers the blessing than the other. It starts with the blessing. Hopefully we take the heed to the blessing and we want the blessing and we deserve the blessing and we receive it. Because when we have God in our lives, takes care of us. We don't want to be estranged from the Almighty. But if we estrange ourselves from the Almighty, Hashem says, you're not welcoming me into your home. I have no place to go. That's a problem. And as we mentioned previously, Hashem doesn't come to dinner uninvited. You have to invite Hashem in. You invite Hashem in, Hashem will be there. And it's amazing, if you look at the verses, I urge you, this week's parsha, Behar as well, look every portion, not only these two, every single portion, read read it in English. Take a stone edition, Chomish, and read through the words. It is unbelievable how Hashem says, you kicked me out of your house. What's going, what do you think is going to be the result, right? But it's like you pushed me out, so I have no place to be now. The idea here is is that there's a clear responsibility. God gives us a responsibility to fulfill his commandments, to fulfill his Torah. That's what Hashem wants from us. That's it. It's not so complicated, not so difficult. We have the best life in the world. And when we fulfill those responsibilities... The reward is unbelievable. The blessing, the bounty, incredible. However, if God forbid we are not deserving and we're not fulfilling our responsibilities, you know, anybody who's a parent knows. Sometimes you need to punish your child, not because you, you want to take revenge on them, but because you want to get them to do the right thing. And sadly, we have a very bad memory as a people, we have a very bad memory. You look throughout the entire prophets. The Jewish people did good, they got good. They did bad, they got bad. One second, why did they do bad? Didn't they learn from the last time? Because what happens is, is that people get too comfortable. Oh, God succeeds our way, and we're making all this money, so we're in charge now, we can do what we want. It's okay, we can be a little bit loose on this, and a little bit loose on that, and it, yeah, it's fine. we become too Hamish with, with God, so to speak. Too comfortable. Yeah, it's fine, it's not a big deal. We become too homey with God. And it's 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 really something that we have to be very, very cautious of, particularly in our generation. We need to see ways that we can strengthen our relationship with the Almighty. It is customary that for the aliyah of the admonishments, that the balkori, the one who reads the Torah, gets that Aliyah. Who are you going to call up to the Aliyah about the curses? You're going to call him, oh, yeah, yeah, the president, let's call him up. No, 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 no. It's the, the Baal is the one who gets this, and they read it faster and quieter than the rest of the portion. Right? Because it's not something that we want to, it's not something we feel very proud of. It's there. The Torah needs to have it there. But it's something that we need to hopefully never, ever, ever experience that kind of punishment. If we turn away from Hashem, He will reciprocate, right? Hashem will reciprocate. Hashem reflects our relationship with Him. If your relationship with Hashem is one which is welcoming, Hashem comes in. If it's not welcoming, Hashem doesn't. He turns away. You turn your back to Hashem, He turns His back towards us. If we turn towards Hashem, Hashem turns towards us. There are seven stages of distancing from Hashem, our sages tell us. There are seven stages. The first is, we stop our dedication to Torah study. Torah study, it's okay. So I don't learn. I don't need to know. It's okay. Then what happens? We seize the performance of mitzvahs. We stop performing the mitzvahs. And then we ridicule and become revolted by others who are loyal to the Torah. Ah, oh, those religious, they don't serve in the army. Look at them, lowly creatures, parasites, they call them. No, this is It's not a joke. It's a terrible thing. And then there's a hatred to the sages. Oh, look at them. They're just making life miserable for us. I've heard people say, I've, sadly, I've even heard rabbis, they call themselves rabbis, who say, oh, the rabbis that made up these laws just to make life miserable for Jewish people. Right? There's no such thing. The rabbis are not allowed to make up laws. It's such a, such a terrible thing. But that comes at stage number four, where there's a hatred to the sages. And then they prevent others from connecting with Hashem and His Torah. Oh, they start mocking. Oh, you're you're going religious, right? You're going religious, Susan, right? Oh, you're going to start keeping Shabbos? You're an extremist? Oh, you're one of those, right? And they start making others who are trying to connect, trying to make them uncomfortable with that. And then stage number six is they will come to deny the Torah is divinely from Hashem. And then lastly, They will come to deny the very existence of Hashem. And we see this in our culture today where people are trying to throw Hashem out. They're trying to trying to throw the divinity of the Torah out. And again, some of these people are, quote, calling themselves rabbis from various movements denying that Hashem is creator of heaven and earth. They believe in the documentary theory. They believe in the Big Bang or whatever other nonsense that they believe in. They don't believe that the Torah was given to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai which is the very foundation of everything we have in Judaism. If you don't believe the Torah was given to the Jewish people of Mount Sinai, so you can throw it all out. And we see here proof in this week's about last week's parsha about how Hashem promises that he will give us reward for observing the sabbatical year, that Hashem will give us a triple crop, the sixth, the seventh, and eighth year. Who can make such a promise? Moses can't make such a promise. Joshua can't make such a promise. Nobody can make such a promise except for the almighty creator of heaven and earth. And another thing is that that proves that Hashem doesn't create the world and leave. Hashem is here still today. It's another thing. Yeah, of course, we believe that God created the world. We may even believe that God gave us a Torah, but then he walked away. And people can turn to the Holocaust and say, look, where was God there? See, God's not here anymore, and that's it. We can throw God out. Heaven forbid. Hashem is here. Hashem loves us. Hashem cares about us, and Hashem wants us close to him. Hashem doesn't punish just for the sake of punishment, because he's an angry old man. God forbid. Hashem is a loving and a caring father. Hashem wants us close. And sometimes, even the person you love, you have to punish. And then, there is a difference. The, The Torah ends off with the tithing, The obligation to tithe. It's not a Christian concept. It's a Jewish concept. Tithing means that we give 10% of our earnings to charity. So if a person makes $100, they need to give $10 to charity. Now, that is not what we call tzedakah. Loosely translated as charity. That is tithe. Tithe doesn't belong to you, the Torah says. The tithe does not belong to you. It's not charity. Not the goodness of your heart. It doesn't belong to you. And their sages tell us that those who are cautious to give the tithes, Hashem gives them more to tithe. Those who are stingy with the tithes and don't give it appropriately, Hashem says, Oh, you think it's yours? It's mine. I'll take it away. The Talmud tells us, and we learned this in our Thinking Talmudist series, the podcast. Where there was an individual who was very, very careful. He had a thousand crops, and he gave exactly a hundred of them away to charity. And when he was about to die, he was giving over his property, his inheritance to his son. He says, "Be very careful. Every year, give a hundred of a hundred, uh, give ten percent of my fields, give it to charity, and you won't have any problems. You won't have it. It'll prosper. It'll grow beautiful fruit. Everything will be fine." So the father passed away and the son first year gives the, the the 10% properly. And then he's like, you know what? After that, he's like, you know, that's a lot. of. It's a lot to give away. It's 10%. You know, maybe I can give 9%. So the next year, the crops didn't grow a 1,000, only grew 900. And then he says, oh, I'm going to take another 10% off. And eventually it went all the way down to nothing. And the Talmud says, What happens? We think it's all ours. No, 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 no. The tithe doesn't belong to you. In fact, there was a famous uh, philanthropist who lived in Jerusalem. His name was Hachstein. And he once said, my brother told me this, my brother heard it from him, that the beginning of every year he would decide how much money he wanted to make. How much money do I want to make? I want to make a million dollars this year? He immediately committed $100,000 to charity. So Hashem has to now give him the amount of income so that he can give that $100,000 to charity. He, he forced God's hand, so to speak, into it because he realizes everything's from Hashem. And the tithe is not my good-heartedness. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. I am just a vessel through which God is disseminating it to his creations. I'm just a vehicle To distribute God's money. When we start thinking that the money is ours, that's when we got a problem. Now, charity is what we give above the 10%. The 10% is not the goodness of your heart. It's not the kindness of your heart. That is Hashem's. Hashem says, give my tithe. I was going to give you 900. I gave you a thousand so that you give away a hundred for me. That you be the vehicle through which I give that charity. You be that vessel you be my eyes and ears on the ground and you find good causes. And it's an amazing thing how people are much more willing to give money to museums. What is a museum? Museum is the history. It's history. It's about the past. Tell someone, you know, I'm going to put your name on the front entrance of the Holocaust Museum. Oh, how much do you want? $20 million, no problem. How about I'll put your name on the doorway of a yeshiva where they're studying Torah, where this is the future of the Jewish people. It's not my cause. That's the future. We should be investing in the future, not in the past. We need to invest in our children. And Hashem sends us success. We have to use that success, give that tithe, give that charity to the future of the Jewish people. Have a magnificent Shabbos, my dear friends. And when we conclude the Torah, when we conclude one of the books of the Torah, what do we say? chazak, chazak, chazek, Hashem should strengthen us and keep on strengthening us. We're now 33 portions into the Torah. We don't have that many more. We have only 21 more portions till the, rest, till the end of the Torah. And then we start all over again. So my dear friends, next week, God willing, we will be beginning the book of Numbers, the book of Bamidbar. It's a very, very incredible journey. I thank you all for joining me and listening and participating in this series. Have a great Shabbos.